Want to build a thriving business while making a much bigger impact in the world by becoming known as an influential voice in your industry? The choice versus just a choice with your ideal client? That's exactly what you're going to learn as I interview business experts, industry thought leaders and entrepreneurs who are in the trenches making their mark so you can too. This is award-winning podcast, The Ambitious Entrepreneur Show, and I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross. And welcome to another episode of The Ambitious Entrepreneur Show. Now, my guest today says, in the world of digital marketing, the real game changer is understanding your data, not just collecting it. And joining me on today's show is Brian Alston. Brian, he is the founder of Brand Castle Growth Partners, and he's also the former CMO of Greater Than. Now, he has over a decade in digital marketing experience and e-commerce experience, and he specializes in using AI and data analysis for innovative growth strategies in the consumer sector. Now, his expertise lies in transforming brands and scaling businesses effectively. So we have so much to learn from uh, Brian today. Now, specifically on today's show, Brian is going to share insights that we need to know about into data-driven marketing. How can we leverage that? He's going to talk about practical brand growth strategies, Grab a piece of paper and a pen. I'm sure we're going to want to know these for 2024, as well as innovative approach to business challenges and so much more. Welcome to the show, Brian. Yeah, thank you so much, Henry, for having me. One of the things that we said um, before we went live was that you really like focusing in the consumer sector. But as we know, as entrepreneurs and business owners, when we hear about other things, other strategies and tactics and all of those things that other industries are doing, when we look at it through the lens of, hmm, how can I adapt and adopt that into my industry? We can be first off the rank in in implementing a lot of these things. So uh, I just look forward to diving in today's conversation. conversation and seeing what we can learn from you. AI, it has been growing rapidly over, you know, the last many, many years. And you say leveraging AI and data analysis can really allow for growth in ways that we may never have been able to do before. Tell us a little bit about that. And then we can dive into really unpacking what we want to talk about today. Yeah, sure. Um, So I would say just to like, just like zoom out before I zoom in, I would say One of the biggest opportunities I've seen when looking at all the brands I've worked with over the past 15 years is really understanding your customer, which sounds so basic, but like what I've noticed is a lot of businesses tend to have an idea of who they think their customer is, but very rarely do they have an intimate understanding of their lifestyle, of the other products that they might be purchasing, what else they're seeing on their newsfeed, the communities that they're a part of. So not just looking at like, hey, my customer is someone who does yoga and is from 25 to 34, but really understanding sort of, you know, the ins and outs of this person's life. And I think that with um, a lot of the new AI tools, like just like ranging from ChatGPT all the way down to some more specialized ones, it's been easier than ever to really uncover those insights. And the reason I start with that is because, again, I've worked with a lot of businesses, you know, like some of which have... I'm like gone on to be like half a billion dollars, like some of which unfortunately had really good products, really good teams and weren't able to, you know, like make it out of the gate because Mm. they didn't really understand who exactly can purchase this product and why they're going to keep purchasing the product. 
And another common mistake I've seen before I go into some specifics is a lot of the conversation in AI marketing over the past year has been about platforms. How can you use AI to growth hack Facebook ads or use AI to build these special landing pages and all of that, but it doesn't focus on the people that you're trying to attract to your business who are actually going to purchase the product. So for me, like my approach to marketing has always been about people first, then platforms and how to optimize those. And with a bunch of the tools I'm sure we can talk about, you know, um, I think that it's totally possible for businesses of any size to not only uncover those insights about their customer and how their product can be match made to the right people, but more importantly, how you can like leverage all of those insights about your customer and um, and their lifestyle to scale your business, like whether that is launching new products that cater to them, whether it's uncovering new micro niches that you might not have uncovered before, or even when you're ready to, let's say if you have an e-commerce business, expand into stores and brick and mortar, which is what we focus on at Brandcastle, um, you can do that using real data versus being like, hey, I just want to be in 5,000 stores in 12 months when mm-hmm. it might not be the stores that your customer base actually shops at. Yeah, yeah. so there's a lot to unpack. But I would say great insights, Brian. And one of the things that you said, I just want to pick up on because, you know, often as entrepreneurs and businesses, we're looking for the next best thing, aren't we? But often it's really focusing and doubling down on the things that we're already doing and, and asking, can we get even more intentional? And I think understanding who your customer is, as you said, their lifestyle, when we nail that down and we start to be able to position our brand message and ultimately then our, our products and services, if we're able to do that so well, our customer thinks, oh my goodness, are they reading my mind or yeah. are, are they around? Have they been listening, you know, or uh, I've been thinking about this. And I, I think businesses really need to um, be mindful that if if Brian has just said you need to know your ideal customer and you've just gone, oh, yeah, we've already done that, you are leaving a lot of opportunity on the table. Now is the time to really double down. And do it even better with more intention because, as you say, there may be opportunities with your existing customers that you had actually no idea that there is now a need and being able to leverage and have deeper conversations and interactions and engagement with your customer along the buyer's journey, as you said, using and leveraging a lot of these platforms that we have now available to us just makes your brand message and your story and connection uh, so much better with the community that you're building. So let's dive in. One of the key points you're talking about is insights into data-driven marketing. Give us a bit of an overview of what you would say data-driven marketing is so that we can all start from the same page. Sure. So I would say data-driven marketing is a mix of quantitative, which I think is great, but also qualitative. It's also like, for example, um, like what I've always liked to do is look at the customer reviews, the written customer reviews for not only the direct competitors for whatever product it is that I'm marketing, but also, again, the adjacent products that this customer might be purchasing. So say, for example, your customer is someone who is an outdoor enthusiast, who is a kayaker, and you're selling some specific, you know, 
like one of those like energy goos that they use, you know, on these camping trips. That's great. I think what a lot of businesses make the mistake of doing is they'll only look at, hey, like what are the other direct competitors doing or not doing? They'll look at their ads, they'll look at their customer reviews and only focus on that. But the problem with that is you aren't only competing with those people for share of wallet and share of attention. That person is probably seeing a bunch of other brands on their newsfeed or coming through word of mouth or seeing it at REI or whatever store they shop at who are competing for their money. And most of those products are not going to be direct competitors to you. They might be apparel products. They might be um, people trying to sell them, you know, like new cars and vehicles. It might be a beverage. It might be something else. And as a business owner, it is critical to know all of those things because, again, this person only has a finite amount of money. And when you take out, like, their housing and, like, their cell phone and, like, their other stuff, they might only have a certain amount of disposable income to pay for your product. And what you want to do, just to go to your point, is to make sure that your product, as well as the brands that you're building and the connection you're building with this customer is so strong that it's going to be a no-brainer for them to allocate some of that disposable income to you versus like some of these other competitors. And using tools like, you know, ChatGPT, for example, where you can just pay someone on Fiverr to scrape a bunch of the customer reviews, both positive and negative for all of the adjacent products in the space, upload them to ChatGPT to see, are there common trends? Are there common themes? Is there a type of tone of voice that these people are consistently using? Like, Like really, again, using the qualitative data available on reviews, on like Reddit forums, on any of these places where your customer tends to be clustered to, again, build that sort of mental model of who is this customer? Like, what do they tend to like? Like, what delights them? What doesn't work? And like, really use that as a starting point. And then even zooming out, you know, I'll go into the greater than example, which happened years ago, but I think in hindsight, or now, there's a lot of ways I would use AI to basically do what happened, which was back in 2018, um, like greater than at the time, um, they were a sports drink primarily aimed at men who do CrossFit and like really intense, like weightlifting. And you know, they'd been in business, you know, with a, a really great product, to be honest, um, high electrolytes, no added sugar, no chemicals. It checked every single box. Um, and unfortunately, at least in the US, unless you are owned by Coca-Cola or Pepsi, it's almost impossible to sort of break into that sports drink market. And when I met them, they were like, okay, we know we have a great product. How do we sell this? And what I did, and again, this is something that I think would be easier nowadays with AI, is not look at this product like a sports drink. Because when you think about it like a sports drink, there's a very stereotypical view of how you market a sports drink. You need to show people, you know, working out or doing yoga on the beach or have star athletes, even though a vast majority of people, at least in the United States, don't do crazy athletics. So you're immediately leaving out a massive amount of the market. And then even the ones who do a lot of athletics already have a lot of brand loyalty to other products. But every single human being on this planet needs to be hydrated. So my approach was, okay, don't think about this like a sports drink and sort of bias myself towards that. 
how do I sort of break down this product into what it fundamentally does, which is it mm. hydrates you more efficiently without any of the chemicals or added sugars or calories that these other items have? Mm. Who are the cohorts of people that would benefit from those value props? Who are people that maybe have a higher um, need for electrolytes and hydration, but also have the, the diet restrictions where they don't want the added chemicals or sugar? Mm -hmm. And the hunch that I had at the time, based off of that analysis, was that this would be a good drink for um, like soccer moms here in the mm -hmm. US, or I guess football moms in Australia, yes. where it's like they're getting this drink for their athletic children. And then the moms and parents might drink it themselves because of the properties it has. And what ended up happening was after a few months of marketing the product this way and seeing decent results, not amazing, some of those mothers um, who were drinking the product were breastfeeding mothers. And we began to organically get this cult following amongst pregnant and breastfeeding moms who said that this electrolyte drink addressed a lot of the symptoms that came from being dehydrated. It could mean headaches, cramps, fatigue, milk supply issues, et cetera. And we began to organically get this traction um, from these moms and decided to essentially pivot the entire brand towards this, being the first hydration brand ever, at least in the US, to actively talk to and focus on postpartum dehydration. And in hindsight, it sounds extremely obvious. If you're breastfeeding, you lose a lot of water, you need to replace those electrolytes. And if you're breastfeeding, you don't want a lot of chemicals in your milk that you're going to pass on to your baby. Yeah. But at the time, every sports drink in the market really ever had ignored this market. Wow. And they were trying to go it's after the exact market. same people. What's that? And that's a huge market. Correct. It's a huge market that constantly replenishes itself. Um, yeah. It's a market that, again, has very um, specific needs mm -hmm. that allows you to, again, build that connection with this customer, not only in terms of, hey, you're dehydrated, drink this product, but more importantly, builds the community aspect. Mm -hmm. We noticed that a lot of these moms started to share tips and tricks with these other moms in the comment section of our ads. They began to have this community that they were already forming themselves using greater than's brand sort of as that platform. And again, a lot of the businesses I've worked with, unfortunately, would ignore all of this. Mm. They would say, okay, well, if you can't market this as a sports drink, then there's something wrong with the marketing versus, you know, to Mark and John's credit, the founders of greater than. They were completely open-minded to the radical idea of, hey, we have this niche customer base that loves our product that has an unmet need and where, again, we were able to match make the excellent product they invented with this new cohort. And then this was pre-AI. This was all from like 2019 to 2022. Um, again, using data, both qualitative and quantitative to, again, understand intimately who this customer is, what is the daily activity in the average breastfeeding mom's life, and how mm -hmm. can we ease those things and also, again, fit into the routines, fit into the lifestyle that she has. 
And what we ended up doing is, again, we pivoted the whole brand towards breastfeeding moms, um, grew the business that had been around for about eight years and was doing about 300,000 in revenue to an $8 million business all online (laughs) within three years. Again, understanding the customer, listening and respecting the customer and using, you know, a range of tools to not only um, find where she is online and advertise to her in that way, but eventually build the brand and the community centered around her and other breastfeeding moms. Um, And that's really like one of the things that I think is really, really um, exciting about Mm -hmm. this um, new era of AI, where again, it's not just about how do we use AI tools to, you know, hack the algorithm and to produce a bunch of, you know, AI generated written content at scale, which to me is leaving a ton of money on the table. Because I think the best use of AI is to basically just do what I just said, but do it more efficiently, where Mm -hmm. you can use ChatGPT, even the free version to help brainstorm. Hey, if I'm selling this product, what are the other potential use cases of this product? Mm. You know, if, if like once I find this use case, you know, just going back to the um but like the energy gummies for someone who is an outdoor enthusiast, maybe there's another niche audience out there or multiple that could also use that product that aren't really extreme hikers. Because again, realistically how many people are there who do that? Yes. So again, no, it's, it's also using ChatGPT to brainstorm who you can match make your product to, but more importantly, are there any larger addressable markets that you can match make your product to? And then again, use ChatGPT to be like, okay, on average, like what are the other products that these customers might be purchasing outside of energy gummies? Um, like what are some of the um, the websites? that they might be going to or the other places that they might be clustered online, et cetera. So that way, again, you aren't just reliant on, I'm just going to put a bunch of money on Facebook ads and call it a day. (laughs) To me, that's not marketing. That's a tactic that could work, but it's also possible that your customer base might not be on Facebook. They Mm -hmm. might be on Pinterest. They might be on some discord server. They might be on Reddit. They might be somewhere else. And again, that's why I think it's really critical to know who the customer is first. And then you can start to figure out the ideal tactics to not only find those people and Mm. attract them to your product, but keep them in your ecosystem by, to your point earlier, understanding their needs so intimately, you're Mm. able to solve many of their problems, um, not only using your product, but also your overall brand. So yeah, that would be sort of the first critical step that I think any business should take um, in order to um, just like set them up for success. Yeah. What I love about what you've just shared is that it, it's given people some real insights and in how they can leverage um, AI to not only, um, as you said, just create some content that you can use, it really is leveraging to understand more deeply the the lifestyles and the, the issues and the, the problems of what your ideal client may be struggling with yeah. and what solutions are they looking for. Uh, and I think what you've just identified there is often the most difficult 
of tasks for businesses to do. How do I find that out? Because previously, and I'm sure this is what you had to do previously with, um, you know, greater than, you had to go out and ask. But yeah. now what AI does is, you said, it scrapes the data. It goes into the different platforms where, in this case, breastfeeding mums are going, and there's a lot of online communities and forums that they would. So it does a lot of that hard work for you. And as I said, just having that amount of data available um, and being able to ask questions and have it be presented back to you in a, in, in a way that's going to be really helpful, yeah. insights, you know, the insights that you can make decisions on, that would have cost, I'm, I mean, for a business if they were going to hire a marketing firm, thousands, tens of thousands of dollars in man hours and 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 research, but now it's it's something that can be done quite quite strategically with the AI tools, Correct. yes? hundred percent. Now that's not to say that you can outsource everything to AI. I think I've always viewed AI as, or at least AI as it is now, um, and like ChatGPT as a lot of really, really good interns. It might be a, a room full of interns who can help you do a ton of research, help you brainstorm and sort of get a good starting point, but it still needs to be edited and curated, you know, with again, that expert knowledge of your industry. Um, and I think that, like, again, if you're an entrepreneur starting a business and is trying to do what's right, it all starts with having an excellent product. You know, there's no way that greater than would have worked if the product itself wasn't excellent. Yeah. Because yeah. You can, I mean, you I mean, like you can advertise things to people and get people to buy it, but they aren't going to keep buying it if it doesn't taste good or if it doesn't address whatever needs that they need. So yeah. I would say that that's always something that the entrepreneur themselves can focus on and then use AI to figure out, again, how you can match make the mm -hmm. excellent product or service that they've made with some potential niche audiences that mm -hmm. might not be super obvious. And it's also possible that there might be multiple niche audiences. Like there mm -hmm. are some products that have two or three different customer bases. And yeah. I've always enjoyed working with those because how you talk to each of those cohorts can be totally different. Like there was this one brand that I worked with that basically sold, um, they sold like teen clothes. Mm -hmm. um, so the person who's using the product are the teenagers, but your customer is the mom usually. That's who's actually purchasing the product. So it's almost like two different um, stakeholders that you yes. need to address. And then one of the interesting niches that we found was that when we would advertise this product to grandmothers who were a much cheaper audience to advertise to, but also had a much higher conversion rate, yeah. we actually got really good results because the grandma was buying the clothes for the grandchild or yeah. they were influencing their child, so the mom, to <laughs> buy the clothes. So again, it ended up being like three totally separate funnels for the exact same product. And they all had very different, um, it's like advertising vehicles, like ways of talking to people. We might use TikTok to expose it to like the younger college age kids, but we might use Instagram for the mom and then Facebook for the grandma. Yeah. And they each have totally different funnels and approaches. And ChatGPT and like some of these other marketing tools are good ways of at least, you know, figuring out how to come up with that right game plan before you 
push play. And of yes. course, you know, like working with um, experts like Brandcastle, you know, can help not only make that more streamlined, but actually um, like draft and create all of the creative that's needed to go after those people, which I think is the next exciting piece about AI. Um, a tool like ChatGPT, again, I see it as a bunch of interns who can help you brainstorm and collect research and do a lot of data analysis. But in terms of what you actually do with that, the mm -hmm. actions you take, meaning which social networking platforms you're going to be on, you know, what the content is going to be, all of that, um, that requires a ton of, um, again, insights into your customer and also expert knowledge of how to push those buttons. And one of the things that I found very interesting is this, um, this tool called Pictory. It's like victory, but with a P at the beginning. And mm -hmm. it's a text to video tool where you can basically upload a script that you can either write yourself, which I always advise, or you can use ChatGPT. And it'll basically auto-create video content for you that's optimized for social media using um, stock footage, using, um, it's like AI voices. And you can, of course, upload your own videos and your own images for your brand. And then mm -hmm. it'll sort of like mix and match your stuff with like stock videos. And you can, again, use text to edit the video. So again, I see at least social media virality as a numbers game. Mm -hmm. A lot of businesses make the mistake of being like, well, we're just going to invest all this money in this one influencer, or we're going to invest money in like these three perfect ads, you know, per month. And that's going to do the trick. And unfortunately, it doesn't do the trick. Because yeah. especially with the TikTok era that we're in, some of the most random stuff goes viral. Um, no, you can't. You couldn't. You could couldn't strategize it. Just put something out, and all, all of a sudden, it just goes across yeah. everything. Yeah. No, I mean, like to be honest, the the ad that unlocked that greater than realization was a customer generated photo that she sent. Um, it showed greater than's carton. It showed um, a picture of a bottle full of her milk and it had a baby in the background. Wow. And we had her testimonial. Again, we um, tried like huge commercials. We tried like all sorts of stuff that again was more standard and what you think you would need to do. But when we used user-generated content, again, just like how TikTok works where everything that goes viral is user-generated for the most part, that is really what took off. And what I've noticed is that with tools like Picturey, you know, these text-to-video tools, you can mix and match user-generated content mm -hmm. in like images and videos or things that you shoot yourself with your iPhone with, you know, like some stock footage to sort of, you know, um, just like fill the gaps, you know, for mm -hmm. a 15 or 30 second commercial. And then you can just get a ton of content out there. You can get 10 or 15 different variants of yes. the same type of video created, you know, not instantly, but within a few minutes, within 30 minutes. And then you can push all of those out. And that's going to, again, rig the game in your favor. It's going to give you the volume of content you need. So that way the odds are out of the hundred videos you might make, one or two of those might go viral or semi-viral. So yes. I think that that's another really interesting way of, again, taking the more qualitative in human and customer centric insights you have mm -hmm. 
using ChatGPT to streamline those and really organize them and to get like just a better grasp and then to use AI tools to augment those versus what we talked about at the beginning, which is people who are relying solely on AI tools to do all this work without inputting the human element into it. I personally haven't seen any examples of brands who have basically outsourced their entire marketing just to AI. Yeah, you could miss something, you know. You would have an understanding of something that AI may not have the grasp of yet. Let me ask you something, uh, Brian, because I'm pretty sure others may be thinking of this as well. Okay, you've mentioned that uh, in the case of greater than with uh, all of a sudden this customer posted this image and she was a breastfeeding mom and you may not have realised the huge uh, opportunity in that marketplace. A business who is thinking, well, how can we start to encourage our customers who may be using our products or have had an experience with their products to create something so that we almost create this community where customers are sharing how they're using our product so that we can then maintain a bit of an eye over what's being shared and then being able to leverage that again. If someone's just starting uh, to do that, what would you share as a couple of strategies to, to ensure that you do it strategically and in a way that just catches on, you know, by your customers and consumers? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say that regardless of the product, I think um, like leading by example is always good. Like eventually there were times where I'm like, okay, I have a very specific image in mind that I need. So I would just make it myself. I would just make the user generated content with my iPhone. I would just put the photo or like the product, have the props around, perhaps like on like, like I would like make my kitchen counter look a little messy. So it looks like more normal. And then use that and then if that works if we are getting like better um, like marketing results or a lower cost per acquisition or like wherever it is that we're using that piece of content if the metrics make sense then what we would do is you know send out an email to our customers being like hey like want to be featured on our instagram or want to be featured on our you know our weekly roundup of our top customers you know we would love to highlight you and the thing about a lot of people is they they like the idea of brands augmenting them. I would say with greater than specifically and with like the other clients I've worked with, I've always tried to think about how can we use this brand's platform to be the customer's platform? So again, it's not just us trying to sell this product and every single thing we post on Instagram, every email we send out, everything on our website solely about purchase, purchase, purchase. Yeah. If you can, if you're a brand that let's say has 10,000 followers or even 5,000, but you have a few really, really loyal customers who send you fan mail, they send you emails where they love the product. They're always like raving about you. Maybe they're subscribed to your product and they've spent more than average. Call them and just ask yeah. them, Hey, would you like to be featured on our Instagram? Do you mind if we share the photo that you emailed us? you know, online. And I would say like 95% of people would say yes. So yeah, I would just say like, again, building that personal connection with the best customers you have, even if you're just starting out is going to be critical because those people are not only going to help give you the content that you need most likely for free, but they're also going to do 
the most impactful marketing of all, which is still word of mouth. And if mm -hmm. anything, I think that we're going into an era where word of mouth marketing is going to become even more premium. Because yes. as we start to get, again, people's news feeds on TikTok, on Instagram, on all these platforms get filled with more and more, frankly, useless AI-generated content. Yeah. Um, there's going to be a premium placed on things that feel more human, a premium placed on things that feel more real and authentic. And if you as a brand can, again, use AI as a tool to organize and optimize, but still your main marketing strategy is about the people and about yeah. telling their stories, showing their lifestyle, et cetera. I mm -hmm. think that's really going to be the key to success, which is again, very different than what I've heard over the past year, which is just use AI and eventually it's going to do all your marketing for you with the push of a button. And I just don't see that happening now. No. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think also too, like we, we've got a lot of uh, listeners who are very much service-based businesses. So um, they're really wanting to show their expertise in the consulting uh, and, and, you know, coaching, mentoring, training in industries. AI, even though, you know, you can leverage it, but if you are completely wholly solely relying on that, there is something missing because there's a, there's that human factor, that customer, that experience that only you can, can deliver. And how often, particularly if we're um, individuals who are selling our services and expertise, we find it hard just to, to, to define what that is in, our, in ourselves. We often do that quite naturally, you know, and, and I think that that customer Customer experience or that experience of you and even your brand, even if you are working with consumers, there's something that is so unique and uncopyable yeah. when you're able to do that so well. And that should not be handed over wholly and solely to, you know, AI. But as you say, you can leverage, get the best of, of what AI delivers and then br then bring it in and uh, s see how you can then use that. And I think when you're doing that well, um, that is when you really can make quite a difference in, in your industry. And, you know, we talked about um, the AI and data-driven marketing, but I think with all of the things that you shared, we, you really were able to do so in a way, giving us some practical um, examples of how you know brand growth strategies can work. You try something out. Don't just put all of your eggs, as you say, or money in in one or two ads and go. Well, it doesn't work. Yes, it, it's like you know you might you you. I'm sure you've got lots of different examples. You put out a video and you don't, oh, I don't really know how this lands, and all of a sudden it takes off because yeah. it was right time, right, you know, spontaneity, if you will, you've been able to capture that spontaneity in that video or whatever, it, you know, that creative was, and it just lands really well. And uh, continue to monitor. I think that's so important, isn't it? As businesses, marketing research and that research and investigation never stops. Yeah. When we, when we have that curiosity factor about us and always looking, what can we leverage? What's going on? Can we um, play on something or, or tap into something that, that is really taking off? Can we leverage that as part of our brand and story and, and what we're doing? And I think now businesses, no matter what size you're at or no matter what budget you've at, the, the playing field has become almost similar. And what I mean by that is the tools that these big companies have 
access to we as smaller business micro businesses size businesses have access to that too where the real um, money hits the road is how are you leveraging it how are you leveraging it and i think smaller businesses we've got the advantage of being able to uh be a bit more agile to that we don't have uh, you know big team meetings and 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 different levels of management that we have go through so we really can kind of shift uh with the marketplace so and we can use businesses such as yours experts who are who are expert at recognizing trends um before we probably do and so share a little bit about braincastle.co and how people can get in contact with you brian 100 percent. before i do that i just wanted to 100 percent agree with what you just said and i think yeah. that just speaking about b2b businesses because again i think that everything i said applies to them as well, perhaps even more so, because a B2B business isn't necessarily a physical product that you're eating or drinking or cooking on or whatever it is. It's like, it is people. And I think that a perfect example of this behavior and how people respond to people more than, oh, here's some AI generated thing is um, on Google, and I don't know if this is the case in Australia, but here in the US, a lot of people will type in best sushi restaurant near me reddit mm-hmm. because they don't want to read some seo optimized listicle that was most likely written by ai they want to read what actual human beings are saying mm-hmm. about <laughs> hey what's the best sushi restaurant in my district and that behavior is going to keep happening for the reasons i mentioned earlier and the other piece about this is again say that you've outsourced your whole business to AI or you've outsourced your marketing to all these AI tools and everything. I think that the problem with that is it's almost like you are building a bunch of cannonballs that are all just like rolling around on the ship deck. What you need is a cannon. You need to be able to focus your budget, focus your energy, focus the stories you're telling, focus all of the various pieces of your business towards the right people. And I would say that that's um, like the primary or like one of the primary things that we do with Brandcastle. Um, our focus is really on setting consumer brands up for success, mm-hmm. both online. So using e-commerce and Amazon to, again, answer the questions we talked about earlier. Who are your customers? What's the community you can build? What's the connection you have with them? And using that data to turn them into omni-channel businesses. So really helping to facilitate their introduction into stores. And my co-founder, I'm like Yemeni, he used to be the chief sales officer for Quest Nutrition, you know, was there from when they were doing 20 million all the way to when they were doing 500 million. And what he noticed, not only with Quest, who again, started as an online only business and used online as the platform to answer these questions and to again, build that canon was when he went into the negotiations with Target or with any brick and mortar retailer, they were he was saying, okay, well, we don't want to pay the slotting fees. We are we like we want this shelf space. Hey, if you have a hot brand that uses data to prove that and has a community and has sort of the awareness, it gives you so much more negotiating power when you are trying to get on shelf at store which is critical because what most people don't realize, and again, I'm just thinking back to all the the brands I've worked with who had the product, had the passion, but didn't make it all the way, is they, one, 
they didn't really, really use online or see it as value add. They were like, well, we're just going to launch online because it's easy, but we really just want to be in stores and we're just going to abandon e-commerce as soon as possible. And they weren't able to have a hot enough brand to get all of those fees and all the fine print waived. That really, really eats into your margins when you're on shelf. There's also times where they would go into the wrong stores, places where, again, their core customer doesn't even shop. Mm -hmm. So they are reliant on random foot traffic walking up and down the aisle to won't recognize their brand because they aren't, again, advertising or building any sort of awareness online to pick their product out of many. And then eventually they run out of money, they have their door count cut, et cetera. So at Brandcastle, what we aim to do is to eliminate these problems that brands have to, again, use e-commerce and use online and use Amazon to, again, answer the question, set you up for success, get that to be profitable and ideally cash generating brokering the entire process for getting you into store and on shelf. And then again, using marketing and using demand generation to make sure that you're actually selling the units on shelf. Yes. So there's a lot of um, things I'm sure we could spend hours talking about, but I would say that that's really <laughs> we what just, we focus we on. Just scratch the surface. So the best yeah. place to go, obviously, is the website that is there, brandcastle.co. Uh, and, I mean, just the things that you, you shared today, I think for any business, you know, don't um, think less, Dan, of, of any piece of technology or, or platform because now we're seeing that, you know, you talked about you talk about a term, and I'm sure people have heard of it, the omni-channels. Your business needs to be online. You cannot yes. not, if you're not online, you really don't exist. We used to say that years ago, decades ago, and I think it's even more, uh, you know, more important now because you do need to build that brand awareness yeah. and then people are going to be asking, oh, what's that brand? We want this brand. Yeah. And if the store that you should have your, you know, your product on that shelf uh, does not yet have your product and they have continual flow of clients coming in the door saying, do you stock such and such? That yeah. is going to be a huge um you know, foot in the door for you if, if uh, they approach you and say, look, we need to talk because uh, we've got multiple clients coming in, customers coming in uh, for that. But as you said, we've only scratched the surface and I do uh, know that you've probably got other interviews lined up as well. So we may leave it here, but I just want to thank you, Brian, for coming on, sharing um, some of the wonderful examples. And I think examples and success cases and all of that, even cases that didn't quite work, because I think we can all learn even from, um, you know, the things that didn't turn out so well. What can we do differently? What can we leverage now that wasn't, you know, available to us um, several years ago? And it's one of those things, isn't it, as businesses, we've got to continue to to look at all of these tools. How can we use them the best, in best way possible? But I think now, and this is the key thing, don't hand everything over to AI. We need to keep that personal uh, factor in, in, in place. If a lot of your industry is turning to AI, that's fantastic. Pivot a little bit and, and yeah. bring the human factor, continue that human factor, because that's when your business is, is really going to make a huge uh, impact if you're really there, really create that wonderful experience with the community online who may eventually then become your customers. So thanks for coming on the show and sharing your expertise with us today, Brian. Yeah, thank you so much, Anne-Marie, for the platform. And I hope it added value to your listeners. Oh, absolutely. Bye for now. Bye. 
Hey, it's Anne-Marie. Before I go, are you a coach or a consultant who feels like the world's best kept secret? Your experience is vast, yet secretly you're frustrated because despite all of your hard work, you're just not getting the visibility, the recognition, or new clients you'd hope for, and you don't know why? I've created a free resource that'll help you build visibility, generate leads, and enroll dream clients with ease because you're seen as a trusted authority, even in a crowded marketplace. And you've positioned yourself as the choice versus just a choice for your dream client. To get started, go to annemariecross.com forward slash gift. That's annemariecross.com forward slash gift. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.